We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. came to my attention that somebody had a question. Another pastor asked this question. Have you heard of baptism in or by blood? Baptism in or by blood. And um, it's not often that I hear of something that I've never heard of in the theological realm before, but I could not say I've heard of this at all. And uh, call me uninformed or whatever, but uh, certainly not in our circles do we talk about this sort of thing. So um, the question was then following on, is it okay to include that phraseology in our baptism formula? Uh, somebody would like to be baptized with that phrase, that truth, that, let me say it, that teaching, not truth, in, in the baptism service. It's going to be something about being baptized in or by the blood of Jesus. And so I don't have access to the person who asked that question initially of this pastor acquaintance, but I would start by sitting down with the person and asking them, what do you think that means when you use that? Tell me what do you believe that to mean? Where did it come from? Why do you say that? And, and gain some understanding of what they're talking about. Because they may be saying something that's fairly innocuous, but they just don't know how to say it. You know, if they're a brand new believer, uh, just going to be baptized soon or whatever. So we don't want to, you know, immediately assume the worst, although it may be the worst. Um, so that's the first thing I would do. But then as I was thinking about it, I, I started to do some more thinking and looking. And uh, I, I didn't think there were any scriptures that spoke of this idea of being baptized in or by, the, by blood. And so, as you know, I'm fairly handy with the computer, so I, I uh, searched in my Bible software for any verses that mention baptism and blood together, and uh, I didn't get any results, and I thought, well, some, sometimes, you know, when you do a search and you get n no results, you think, well, maybe I didn't put that query in there correctly, uh, then maybe I typed it incorrectly or something. So I did an experiment. I said, okay, I'm going to look for anything that starts with B-A-P-T-I, Baptist, baptism, baptizing, baptized, uh, you know, and you just put a star after that first part of the word, and that means anything that can come after that. And then follow that by the word spirit. So baptism of the spirit, say. I know there's verses that say that. Well, there are 12 verses that have both of those words in them. And then I did the same, but with baptism and water. And I found 13 verses, so I'm on the right track. I know, how I'm, I know how to do a search, okay? I did baptism with the Lord, 10 verses. 
I did baptism with Jesus. I found 17 verses, but only four of those referred to baptism of another person in the name of Jesus. What do you suppose the other verses I found were? Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. I found that verse. So that's not really relevant to what we're talking about here, but 17. I searched for baptism and blood, and I got zero. Zero. So my suspicion was was correct. Now, caution, just because we don't find a verse like that, hermeneutics tells us and theology tells us that that doesn't mean that the doctrine is not present in the scripture. I went to my search box and I searched for T-R-I-N star to search for anything like the Trinity and I got zero results. And triune, T-R-I-U-N, and I got zero results because those words don't occur in the Bible. That's well known it's been well known for centuries. Nobody's fooled by that. It's just, you know, it's just a fact. It's like, how many tires does your car have? Four. You know that, right? And a spare maybe in the back. Unless you've got a dually, okay, yeah, or you've got an 18-wheeler, okay, forget that. You know what I'm talking about. So, so you know, you just know. So we just know, yes, we know the word triune or trinity doesn't occur in the Bible, but the idea certainly does. The teaching, the doctrine certainly does. So I'm just saying, just because I didn't find any verses with baptism and blood in them, I can't, I can't write it off just yet, okay? Um, however, not finding anything in Scripture about this and having been in the ministry for quite a few years now, never having heard of this, and having taken a lot of systematic theology classes and stuff like that, I have to wonder. So I, it does increase my skepticism a little bit if somebody says, well, you know, it's uh, God helps those who help themselves, and it's in the Bible, you know, and I, God helps those who help themselves. I'm not finding it in the Bible, you know, because it's not there. It may be common legend that it's there, but it's not there. So... Um, so the, the next thing I said to myself was, okay, well, what about the scriptural baptism formula? We use the scriptural wording in our baptism service, and you've heard me say it in variation you know, many times. Based on your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And dunk, down they go, and up they come. Um, and so that's the formula. Baptism is in the name of the triune God. It's not in the blood of Jesus or in or by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's baptism in the name of the triune God. So what, what next? Well, somebody might say, well, that's just how you traditionally do it. You know? Well, traditional formula we've used in, in Baptist and Bible churches comes directly from Scripture because Matthew 28, 19 says, after make disciples, going, you know, going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, that sounds familiar. That's just what we said. Now, you see, sometimes the people will insist, I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, the name of Jesus is the same as the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you see that phraseology in the name of Jesus several times in the book of Acts. And I think the emphasis is, look, these people are turning their allegiance and their loyalty, their submission, their faith, their repentance over to Jesus as opposed to whatever else. They're not following Abraham. They're not following Moses. They're not following the Pharisee or Gamaliel or whoever is their guy. 
They're saying, I'm with Jesus now. So I don't have a big, big problem with that. But if somebody wants to be baptized in the name of Jesus only because they don't believe that God is triune, they're Jesus-only people you've heard of. They are uh, oneness, not triuneness, oneness Pentecostals. They just believe God has got three kind of three faces or three modes of manifestation. He's not triune, not three six, uh, distinct persons with one divine essence. So I would have a big problem with that. But the traditional formula is scriptural. There's a good reason for the tradition because it derives directly from Matthew 28, 19. Now, I, when I said that you know, formula, based on your profession of faith in the Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father and so on, based on your profession, that's clearly not in the Bible. We know that. Okay? Why do we say that? Well, it's our way of saying that the profession of faith is on you. I am not um, making a profession of faith for the person I'm baptizing or the fact that I baptize them or any particular person baptizes them, the Apostle Paul baptizes them, or Jesus baptizes them, doesn't change the fact of whether they truly believe or not. Um, so we've done our due diligence to make sure that the person is making a, a credible profession of faith. We try to make sure that it's a real profession of faith, but we acknowledge that it might not be real since we don't know your heart. And a time from time to time, somebody's baptized, and it's never the next day. It's always some years later when somebody goes off the rails and runs away from home or, you know, I'm talking about divorces their spouse or does some other crazy thing, and it becomes evident that, oh, well, maybe they're not actually what they said they were. Uh, or maybe God will recover them back later on. We don't know. But if someone in that case manifests a departure from the faith, or maybe they don't, but then they later come back with the repentance and explain that they weren't legitimate before when they were baptized, or I didn't really understand, or I was just going through the motions, or I just said what I was supposed to say, uh, then they could become a candidate for their first real baptism because it's based on their profession of faith that I baptize. If that's a false profession, that's a that's a... Uh, can I say a null and void baptism? It doesn't do anything to save their soul. Um, so just a little note on, on baptism there. We can't, uh, we can't give uh, our stamp, our imprimatur for sure on somebody's profession of faith. We can be pretty certain. In some cases, very, 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 very certain. <laughs> but in other cases, not. So anyway... That's the scriptural baptism formula. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is an, a, a doctrine that just pops right up when you start hunting around for this in the online world, and the baptism of blood refers to the blood of the martyr, M-A-R-T-Y-R. Okay, This one variation of this, I think, and it's a person who dies under persecution. Here's the quotation uh, from that famous encyclopedia, Wikipedia. In Christian theology, baptism of blood, baptismus sanguinis, that's a Latin, or baptism by blood, is also called martyred baptism. 
is a doctrine which holds that a Christian is able to attain through martyrdom the grace of justification normally attained through water baptism without needing to receive baptism by water. Okay. Now, this isn't precisely the same as saying that martyrdom is a kind of baptism, although maybe somebody uses this idea to support martyrdom baptism when the Lord Jesus said, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? Remember that phrase? Remember that? When James and John said, hey, we want the right hand, the left hand uh, in your kingdom. And Jesus said, hey, are you able to be, are you able to take it? Are you able to take the heat? And uh, they said, we are. And he said, well, you will. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It's, it's reserved by my Father forever, whoever he wants to put there. So I would not advise to go to the Lord and say, you know, yeah, absolutely. I'm willing to be baptized with the baptism you're going to be baptized with. That was a judgment, uh, persecution, martyrdom kind of situation. But in any case, um, so baptism, or uh, yeah, this baptism in blood or martyr's baptism it effectively, they suppose, effectively automatically grants the status of baptized upon that individual. Are you with me? So somebody dies, goes to heaven, God says, okay, martyr, and since you got the martyr stamp, you automatically get the baptized stamp. Even though you weren't baptized, you superseded that, super exceeded it. So further quotation, those who die as Christian martyrs in a persecution of Christians are judged by Anabaptists and Lutherans as having acquired the benefits of baptism without actually undergoing the ritual. And then the Augsburg Confession of Lutheranism, this is a very important doctrine of the Lutheran church, affirms that baptism is normally necessary for salvation. Citing the teaching of the early church fathers, Lutherans acknowledge a baptism of blood in the circumstances of persecution. Now, you probably heard a bunch of error in there already, okay? I mean, when it says baptism is normally necessary for salvation, I mean, tell the thief on the cross that. Oops, I guess he must have been an exception case. Um, but this just loaded up with error. First, being martyred is not the same, nor has the same significance as water baptism. Okay, So baptism by blood, we're not having a happy uh, agreement here with it. Uh, nowhere in Scripture is the idea taught that martyrdom is like baptism. It's a doctrine of men, this martyrdom baptism. Second, the entire notion of this is connected to Catholic sacramentalism. Did you notice when it said, a Christian is able to attain justification, normally attained through baptism by water? That is a Catholic dogma, okay? That is, you attain the grace of justification through the sacrament of baptism. Our brother knows all about these sacraments. He heard, he's heard them until they're coming out of his ears. Sacrament this and sacrament that. An act in which in the working of the act is the outworking of God's grace, supposedly. But my friends, nobody's saved, nobody's justified by being water baptized. We know that, okay? What we're doing here is we're exploring with our theology this unknown question about what is baptism by blood, and we're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do with this thing? 
So, um, so they're saying when a person is baptized, they believe that God grants a justifying grace to that person. But justifying grace is given to every saved person from the moment they believe in Jesus. The moment they have repentant faith, they turn from their sin to the Lord. Whether or not they were ever water baptized, that man, well, here's another example that just comes to mind. Remember the, the tax collector and the, and the Pharisee that went up to the temple to pray? And what did God say? What did the Lord say, rather, about the tax collector? He went down to his house, what? Justified. No water baptism in that passage. He went down to his house justified because he cried out to God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God happily justifies anybody who comes to him in that kind of faith. Of course, the Pharisee was another story. We won't go there tonight. But um, you're justified by, by saving faith, not by water baptism. Water baptism does not convey a sacramental grace, but rather it's a symbol of a previous spiritual reality that's happened in the life of the person, right? We've taught that uh, for years, for decades, for actually centuries in the churches like ours. They see baptism effectively as a work that is required to attain justification. Uh, Paul would have a serious uh, argument about that, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Romans 4, if it's a work, it's not of grace. Salvation is by grace, not of works. So now, here's the thing. I've kind of led us down a path because we're thinking about this new topic and what does baptism in blood or by blood mean? And we've just looked up online to see something and it talks about martyrdom baptism, martyrdom baptism by blood. But that's not what this baptism can mean this baptism by blood. Why? Well, obviously, a person being baptized in the church today, being baptized in water, is not referring to martyr's baptism because they're still alive. (laughs) They're not being martyred. So they must be talking about the baptism in blood with some other meaning. If they're not talking about the blood of the martyr, that's what we just were talking about. The martyr dies, sheds his blood, God counts that to him as a baptism stamp. That's what that was. But if the guy's not dying, he's not being persecuted, he's not a martyr, then we can't be talking about the martyr's blood. Whose blood could we be talking about, though? The the blood of Christ. Is it baptism in Christ's blood that we're talking about? Well, in the Bible and Christian theology, the blood of Christ refers to the entire cross work of Jesus, right? Right? When we say uh, that the, when we talk about the blood of Christ, we're clear that we don't construe that to only refer to the red blood cells, the red liquid that's in the veins and arteries of Jesus' body. Yes, because somebody's going to say, oh, you don't believe in the blood. No, you're not going to find anybody that believes more in the blood than I do. There may be people that equally believe, (laughs) but not more. Yes, when they stuck him with a sword, or a spear rather, out came blood and water. He bled on the cross. He bled at his scourging. He'd sweat great drops of blood in Gethsemane. All of that true. But in and of themselves, those things do not save your soul. 
The life is in the blood principle in Leviticus 17.11 informs us. The life is in the blood, therefore there had to be a sacrifice made that killed the life that was coursing through that animal in the Old Testament time. Jesus had to die to take the capital punishment due for your sin. That is what the blood of Christ means. With me? Bloody death. Full extinguishment of his life. Full extinguishing of his life. Because of this, we connect to the next dot in our theological dot-to-dot here as we're kind of trying to trace through this and get a picture of what this baptism by blood means. And we go in our Bibles to Hebrew, or, yeah, Hebrews 9 and 22. I know I've mentioned verses and I haven't had you turn there, but I'm going to have you uh, with this one turn to Hebrews 9. Almost got away with not getting these glasses out this time, but I have to. Hebrews 9, verse number 22. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, when we say shedding of blood, we mean pouring it all out, not just sweating great drops or you know, having a paper cut. Okay? It's shedding blood. It's dying that's what it means, the blood of Christ. So when, when, when it talks about this, it's the price of Jesus' life that died that gives you freedom from sin. It gives you acquittal from guilt. It gives you remission of your guilt. See, that's a wonderful thing. God does not only overlook your guilt. He doesn't only acquit you of guilt. He removes your guilt. He removes it. Like, how can you? You can't even believe it. But you have to believe it because that's what the Bible says. It's so wonderful, it's hard to grasp. And so in the price of Jesus' life, you get the freedom, the acquittal, the remission of guilt. You have forgiveness from God. So if the baptism is associated with Christ's blood, it would appear that these persons who are asking this question uh, of our pastor friend is connecting that baptism with the remission of sins because blood always has to do with the removal of guilt, removal of sin, and the provision of forgiveness. So baptism in or by blood seems to refer to some kind of sacramental understanding whereby baptism is related to the remission of sins. Now immediately that takes me to my historical theology and I remember Catholics hold to baptismal regeneration Church of Christ or Campbellites uh, refer to and teach baptismal remission. They're very similar things. From, from your perspective out in the pew, you're probably like, it all sounds the same to me. And for practical purposes, it is. Although baptismal regeneration is slightly different. It's say, in the water of baptism, you know, maybe original sin is removed and new life is granted in baptismal remission, there's this kind of different idea that somebody can be sort of partly saved, but they have to be baptized before their sins will be washed away. And uh, that was um, Alexander uh, Campbell taught that and many of the people that followed him. So we have historical uh, teaching or historical reality that these kinds of doctrines were taught. Um, they all, it all amounts to the same thing. They believe God requires baptism in most cases for a person to be saved. 
And so the only conclusion I can kind of draw from this is they're just they're holding to a works-based theology, this baptism in blood. Now, to be clear, we believe baptism is required because you're saved, not in order to get saved. But it's just like good works. You know, you don't have to do good works to be saved. But because you are saved, you will be innately, intuitively propelled to do good for God because you want to, not because you have to, because you want to, and you know you have to. Well, to conclude, in baptism we have a picture that we have died with Jesus and have been buried with him, rise with him, and live together with him. Its significance is a memorial that looks back, a symbol of your connection to Christ presently, and it also looks forward to new life that you will be given in Christ. So if somebody were to say, would you change the baptismal formula or add this in, I would say, no, I will not. Uh, We baptize in the name of the triune God. Um, I wouldn't add the, you know, baptism in blood to the service or, you know, to to my statement or remarks in order to satisfy somebody's desire to have those words said because there's no mystical power in those words at best. And, and at worst, those words likely indicate a bad sort of theology that we cannot co-sign. We just can't participate with that sort of thing. So, um, you know, the thing is, if somebody comes to the church to be baptized, uh, you know, they can ask about it, learn about it, and all that sort of thing. But don't come to the church and tell, okay, you've got to use these particular words when I'm baptized or else I won't feel right about it. No, something not quite right about that. And so I hope that this is a little helpful expose for you just to kind of alert you that, and maybe this is a, maybe this is a, a new variation on an old theme, you know. Sometimes there are new, new cults that come along or new doctrines or, or maybe there's some cultural thing uh, from overseas that's come here and now we have to, we have to deal with that. I don't know if it's new now or not because I've never heard of it before. But the fact that I found martyrs' baptism already online indicates that it's been around for some time. I mean, in these old confessional statements of the faith from hundreds of years ago, the martyrs' idea of baptism has been there. But I don't know about this baptism in the blood. Because, I mean, even, even those groups that we mentioned tonight usually are talking about baptism in water and maybe say something about the blood, but to connect the two is just foreign to me. So I'm sure I'll learn more in the coming times and say, ah, that's what that was about. But as, as I analyze this kind of an experiment or an exercise really with you to say, okay, when you hear about a doctrine you've never heard of before, think about it. And the key part there was, you know, it's baptism by blood. Well, what does blood represent in the Bible? Not just red liquid. It represents remission of sin. And so if you're connecting remission of sin with baptism, like, uh, uh-oh, <laughs> hold on a minute, stop this train before we get too far down the tracks because we want to make sure we're talking about sound doctrine and not, not false doctrine. So, All right, well, let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Help us to uh, take in this information and just kind of store it away for future use, and may it... Uh, kind of strengthen our own understanding of sound teaching so that we can share it with others if they ask. 
We know so many people out there, Lord, are confused. Uh, They don't have good teaching. They they haven't read much of their Bible, uh, if any, and uh, they've heard incredible things sometimes on on the grapevine. We need truth, and uh, truth, truth in Christ is all that can save, is the only thing that can save. So thank you for allowing us to think about this together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.